Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Website PHI Apparel. 
PHI Apparel has uh, some some nice gear and, and apparel for all you Philly fans out there. Get to their website, PHIapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEF. Get 15% off that order. Get your Philly gear. You know, you got the Philadelphia Eagles. The Phillies trying to make a run out of things. Uh, you know, big things out of there. No beard, though. For the beard. Fear the beard out there. Um, but you know what? Use that promo code CHEF. Get 15% off that order. Listen, um, you know, we're headed into football season, uh, college and NFL. So I wanted to start with a little NFL, but I, I had to bring in the college talk because it's been a busy couple of days in Atlanta College. Um, you know, we are heading towards a big merger of conferences. Um, you know, the Pac-12 uh, yesterday, I think it was yes, yeah, yesterday, unveiled a plan um, to get a, a, a streaming deal with Apple in the hopes to keep the teams that are they are hemorrhaging. They lost USC. They lost UCLA to the Big Ten. They just lost Colorado uh, to the Big 12. Um, so they're hemorrhaging teams. And, and you know, big, the Big Ten now is swooping in because this deal, this streaming deal that was presented, did not make a lot of waves. So now the Big Ten is, is coming in and doing, quote, unquote, their due diligence to start uh, poaching some more teams, namely uh, Washington and Oregon. Oregon's probably the biggest name left in the Pac-12. Um, and then couple that with the ACC having teams complaining about their revenue-sharing deal, mainly my, my favorite football team, uh, the Florida State Seminoles, not happy with the rev share deal that's in place with the ACC. They're seriously considering leaving and jumping ship. Um, you know, there's a lot of musical chairs going around in, in college football. So, TP, I'll start with you, bro. I don't know if you heard anything about the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten exploring uh, potential expansion with more teams. The SEC, are, obviously, have, they've expanded their teams. Uh, what is your feeling about this overall expansion and teams leaving the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 in serious trouble right now? Um, I say the Pac-12 has been in trouble, I want to say, toward the latter part of the early 2000s. Once uh, they started to clear out out of USC, you started seeing those high-scoring games, and nobody could really come out there and fizzle out a, a national champion any longer. It was basically USC or bust. You really didn't really see strong competition coming out of that conference. And now that you're seeing teams leave that conference to go to other conferences, it's kind of like they're getting help, you know, individually as a, uh, you know, university or college, however you look at it, and are trying to get, like, a boost in, you know, revenue and things of that nature. They both kind of need each other because, to me, the Big Ten is suffering too. The Big Ten is heavily top-heavy all the time, every year. Uh, the ones that's in the middle of the pack or the bottom feeders, you know how it's going to end up panning out. It's always them basically looking up at uh, Ohio State and Michigan. You get some competitiveness out of Minnesota and Penn State. Iowa will run the table in their selected side of the conference and then get beat in a big game. And it's kind of like if you bring more competition there, at least it will help, I guess, impact the Big Ten more because a lot of, you know, revenue goes to that conference. A lot of people follow those conferences, especially those teams because it's in the middle of America. So, you know, they get that – uh that eye of the tiger, if you will, across uh, the board from ESPN on down, uh, well, Disney, however I, I look at that, because uh, CBS is more or less SEC. 
But um, the Pac-12, I, I think not only are they in trouble, they might be, uh, you know, shut down soon because there's only a handful of teams that are going to be there. It's going to probably end up being the Pac-6 after a while or unless they start bringing teams from, like, the Mountain West or things of that nature to try to fill those spots that are selectively voided from other schools. That's the only way that I can look at the Pac-12 trying to survive, but I think it'll water down the product of what it used to be, um, especially with the situation that's lingering around Dion and Dion trying to get Colorado to leave and um, bring them back to the, I think, the Big 12, if I'm not mistaken. That's a, and they're that's ripping done. at Dion. That's a done deal. That's well, a done even deal. still, so, so it's, it's happened. Even it's still, it's happened. Right. Um, they're they're mm-hmm. after, actually coming after Dion for that to try to boost things up for Colorado because let's be honest, let's just remove mm-hmm. Dion and what just happened this past year. Colorado has been terrible for a long time playing football, for a long time. So I think he's trying to not only just bring that revenue or draw to come to Colorado, he's there to do as much as he can in, I guess, the select window time of him being there. So there's a lot of interesting things happening to schools that need the lift, especially with people that don't really consider watching those games that are out in that area or that region, whether it's the mountain region or the West Coast, because the West Coast games will get played late or – the competitiveness isn't there. Like a lot of people aren't trying to watch Arizona and or Oregon State go at it. They're like, why? Like in basketball is different. Like baseball is different. When you're watching a football game in a Pac-12, it's like if it's not Oregon, if it's not USC, then people kind of fan their hand at it. It's like, oh, we're watching if there's nothing else on. Or, you know, they'll, they'll play a UNLV game, and that game is on at 1030, and UNLV is either getting stomped or beating up on somebody that should, they should be taking care of business on. So, there's a lot of questions that got to get answered in the next coming years until the dust settles. But right now I can see everything that's happening. They're kind of needing each other, especially speaking on a pack of the PAC 12 and the big, big 10, the ACC situation. I don't know how money is falling apart down there with that being the South. Well, majority of the stuff, because there are some teams that are, you know, scattered in the, the East coast region and up the board, but the majority of it is like Virginia, Virginia tech, uh, North Carolina, Miami, Florida State, like they're in the South region. I don't know why they're not getting the, the coverage or, you know, the proper lining in the situation. So it, it's tough to see this right now that college is taking a dip. And is it more or less blamed on NIL? Is it more or less the, the powerhouse situation of the SEC and everybody's more or less focused on what's happening in the SEC compared to the ACC? So, they they got their hands full at this moment. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do to try to turn this around in the next coming years. Yeah, the ACC is interesting, TP. I think Florida State, and I think Miami's in the mix too, and Clemson, uh, because they feel like they're, the rev share should – there should be a revenue share, but they should get a majority of the pot since they drive a lot of the, the revenue, they drive a lot of the ratings, and, and, and the, they're the big draws. They don't want to share the big pot with all the schools that don't draw anything. So that's why Florida State mainly, and I think the other schools like Clemson and Miami are in the mix too, are really kind of upset. And Colorado's out. They left. They 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 have agreed to go back to the to the Big Twelve. They should have never left. I felt like I feel like they never belonged in the pack, um, the Pac twelve, right? Like I felt like they were always like the bastard child of that. Um, of that conference. And now the Pac-12 is down to nine teams. Oregon and Washington are, are, are the next to get poached. And then now Cal, and then you have 
you know, Stanford, and Stanford's a huge piece because be able to get Notre Dame. You know what I mean? And that's where it's headed. The Big Ten may not be, to your point, maybe top-heavy with the two best teams, but they have probably the second-best revenue deal, $60 million per school that out of any conference, right? They have deals with Fox. They have deals with CBS um, that they just made, NBC, and then the Big Ten Network is a huge deal. So there's a lot of money in that conference top heavy or not right so it's great it's money it's all about money mike what do you think about what's going on in college football right now with all these teams abandoning their posts more or less so i think uh a couple of different things uh i think with the addition of usc and ucla i think the big 10 Mm -hmm. already has 16 like how many do you want like at some point like you're going to be big enough that you need to form two conferences within one. Uh, I feel like we're 16 teams is a lot, and I feel like that's almost too many. There's nothing we can do. That's going to happen. The SEC is going to 16. Big Ten's going to 16. There, I mean, who knows? But I feel like that's too many for a conference. But there's nothing we can do about that. I just, why in the world, if you're the Big Ten, do you want to try to do like 20 schools? Like to me. You got 16. You got the L.A. market now with UCLA and USC. Now your conference spans from Los Angeles, California to Piscataway, New Jersey. What else do you want? Like maybe if you can get a few other teams out there, then maybe it lessens some of the travel for some of these other sports. So you break them into like multiple divisions, like freaking MLB or something. I don't know. Uh, I have heard that the – Big 12 was also going to have some conversations with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to gauge their interest in possibly coming over and joining the Big 12 as well. Uh, the only time that Colorado has ever been relevant has been in the Big Big 12. I mean, obviously they had to split national title with Georgia Tech way back in the day in the uh, 88-90, something like that. And then you had the – they made the championship game and lost a couple times, like in the early 2000s, so they were relevant then. But since they've jumped over the Pac-12, they just haven't been very good. Some poor coaching hires and just poor personnel, they just haven't been very good. Uh, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is so in a year or two when they go over there, Dion's got this program up and running, they're going to contribute. They're, you know, they're going to say it has a lot to do with the switching conference. But it all, it, it, at the end of the day, it has a lot to do with who you have in your building, like who's running your program and what kind of players you can get, regardless of what conference that you're in. I, this does not look good for the Pac-12 at all. Uh, they're going to have to – uh, look to expand if they're, you know, if they want to remain relevant. And even then, I don't know if you become any better than a mid-major at some point. But they're going to have to start looking into the Boise states of the world and and other schools out there on the West Coast to try to even put together a a, a product. Otherwise, they're just going to get absorbed into other conferences, right? So, and I get the Florida State thing. This was one of the reasons that that Texas left the that Texas A and M left the Big Twelve because Texas was trying to take more. Uh and Texas had already started their own network. And and I get the revenue and I get the teams wanting to take more, like if we draw more and whatever else, but you know, part of the perk of a conference membership is that you get these rich deals, right? So 
But once you start adding more and more teams, there's definitely not going to be as big a piece of the pie to give to everybody. Uh, But, no, Pac-12 is in trouble. And I I just don't know what else the Big Ten wants to do. I'd love to know their end goal, how many teams they really would like to get and where they're trying to get to. I mean, the end goal is two power conferences. It's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. That's the end game. In, in my opinion, and I, I agree, 16 to 20 teams is too much. You're going to have two conferences that are going to have an east and west or north and south, however they want to divide it up. And this is going to be two, two power conferences. They're heading to an NFL model. We have the, the NFC and the AFC. That's where it's going. And um, only the strong will survive. Like Notre Dame, you either join a conference or get left behind. You know what I mean? UConn, UConn, I mean, I think they're I think they're getting courted by the Big Twelve. I think to to join a conference because if you 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 can't live as an independent anymore. You can't eat like they don't have a TV it deal is the Big, big enough. Yeah, they they don't have the a TV deal worth it. You know what I mean? And, and UConn, you know, they had six. I think they went six and five or what have you. But they can't sustain themselves as an independent. So um, I think it's headed for a two conference. Um, league. That's what it's going to be. Like, um, I just, I, I don't see the Pac-12 surviving. If they lose Oregon, it's over. Like they're already down to nine teams, and Washington and Cal and Stanford are big names too. Yeah, and they could poach mid-majors, but Oregon's the biggest fish left. They lose that fish, they're done. And then it's going to be the 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 Big 12 that, and the ACC, and the ACC is going to be next. You know what I mean? Miami, Florida State, Clemson, I guarantee you they will jump ship to the SEC and, and, and join that conference because that's where the money's at. And then that conference is going to start the East Coast teams that nobody cares about, and then they're going to be done. You know what I mean? Syracuse, they're, they're in it for football. They'll leave too. You know what I mean? Maryland, they'll leave. They'll, you know what I mean? They're already, they already jumped out of the ACC Maryland. But you know what I mean? Like It's just going to be a tidal wave. Like, I don't know, TP, if you want to clean this up, but, I mean, I just I, – that's where it's headed in my mind. You know what I'm really thinking about? Because I think we're kind of hanging our hat on, you know, like so many teams being in these select conferences. I think they are trying to, like, help teams that are, or schools that have suffered for far too many years. And one school that I'm thinking about solely in the top of my head is uh, Nebraska. Nebraska hasn't been anything for the past two decades. and um. Yep. I think with them losing the several games that they lost at home, especially that game to Georgia Southern, where everybody in the crowd was there till the fourth quarter and in overtime, and everybody looked at each other like, "What's going on here? Like we we're at least a couple thousands deep here and don't have a good product uh-huh. here." So they trying to give them something to like build off of because Nebraska has a rich history in college football. They can't lose that. They can't because they're going to start to watch people fade away and start watching this game on TV instead of coming to Omaha and watch these guys play. So. I think they're going to try to save a couple of these teams, and then if, if they get beat, oh, well, it actually brings more money toward that situation. But that's the only thing I can really hang my hat on, at least for the Big Ten, with some of the schools that they do have there. And if Iowa can actually finally get over the hump and push the envelope to get to, like, a national championship because they end up winning 10 straight and then lose a big game somewhere, it's like, well, we, we need to get them to get that game to kind of work out. These are these are just scenarios. It's not like they're thinking this. This is the only thing I'm thinking of, like trying to save those mm-hmm. situations that uh, teams have fallen 
in uh, recent history. That, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I that's where that's where my head's at. That's that's what I'm thinking. They're trying to. It's it, NIL has a big play in it. As a big, there's a lot of money changing hands, and these schools are are especially with now streaming money, TV deals, what have you. There's just a lot of money, and if you're not in the right conference that can get these big meta deals that you can get a rep share, you're just falling behind. And that's where it's at. And you know what I mean? Like sixty million dollars a school for football in the Big Ten is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. How can you turn that down? Why wouldn't you want a piece of that pie? So um yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out, but I, I just feel like this is where it's headed, this is where it's going. So um yeah, I just I saw that I had to talk to you guys about it because I felt like it was huge. But I'll call in number as always with the chef. Nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Call us, cookout villain, timeless Mr. Harvey in the building, cooking it up. Um, I, I I had a story, Mike. I want to come to you first on this one too, um, because this is your your team. But excuse me, um, you know, Alvin Kamara obviously had that um, that incident outside of the Las Vegas nightclub. Uh, TP, you know, is is the king of LA, uh, Las Vegas. I mean. So he he knows what what, what happened what went down, <laughs> but uh, he had the the uh, a fight outside the club. Um, he he took a plea deal, um, you know, did some you know community service, all that stuff. But today he met with um, Commissioner Roger Goodell um, on a potential suspension. So his suspension isn't official, but everybody is assuming, and probably rightfully so, that a suspension is coming. So he took it upon himself to go to uh, New York to meet with Roger Goodell to get in front of it, get ahead of it, um, and see what um, what what type of punishment is going to uh, be handed down as we head into the season. Uh, uh, Mike, I'll come to you first, bro. Um, what type of punishment do you think uh, Kamara is going to get on this? And do you think it was a good idea for him to go uh, meet with Goodell? Uh, I definitely think it was a good idea to go meet with him, uh, just because at least – you have a chance to tell your side of the story of what happened and mm-hmm. voice everything. It may not make much of a difference, but, you know, I was taught a long time ago by my father, grandfather, whatever else, like, if you mess up, like, you'll face the music, you know what I mean, and at least uh, get out in front of the situation. I, You know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Goodell, so I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference. And and I don't know the whole story. I, a suspension is definitely coming down. Uh, thankful that they got Williams and Miller to give them some depth in the backfield. A suspension is definitely coming down. But I think, uh, you know, once the legal stuff got sorted out a few weeks ago, then we knew the NFL sanctions would come next because they always wait for that to get done first, right? And so that being said, I, you know, a good idea to go talk to him instead of just, like, waiting and then having something come down or having – then, like, summon you to a meeting or whatever uh, to talk about it, to decide what's going to go on. Like, I think that being willing to, uh, like, taking the initiative to schedule the meeting and and go have the conversation and at least share, I think it's proactive, whether it makes a difference or not. Like, you know, time will tell. Uh, but he's definitely going to get a suspension. I mean, I think at least at least six games, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would probably, 
I, the number of games is kind of weird to me because, you know, not every, you know, offense is created equal. I feel like you get less games for domestic violence and more games for, you know, gambling. <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense, and it's all ridiculous. But um, I agree. I think, you know, it was a good idea to get out in front of this and really, um, you know, tell your side of the story and, and, and show some, you know, remorse, can, you know, can, you know, all that kind of good stuff. TP, what do you think about Kamara uh, headed to New York today? He met with, with Roger Cadell today to talk about um, the whole situation and possibly get a suspension. Um, he's just showing accountability to me. The uh, mm. the thing about it is, is I'm wondering what the NFL will do. Um, I think it's a four to six game suspension potentially. I don't, I'm, you know, no guarantee on this, but I really don't care about suspensions. I really don't. Sorry. And you hit it on the head. I was going to go to it, but you hit it right on the head before you came to me. The NFL is like weird. They're like backwards. You're going to suspend a guy like Jamison Williams who did gamble. He gambled, but he was on the property of the practice facility. He gets a six-game suspension. No appeal granted, no nothing, right? But then you have situations that have happened with NFL players Ben Roethlisberger's situation got a two-game suspension. Tom Brady, with all of the different gates that he done crossed through, it was, what, a two- or four-game suspension when it should have been heavier, and they had to pay fines. Like, where where do you go? Like, the favoritism has to stop, and um, the examples don't have to be to your minority. It should be across the board. So mm-hmm. uh, it bothers me that this is the, the nature of the NFL on how they play. And um, – I feel like they will try to make an example out of Kamaro. I think a four to six game suspension will probably be there. I don't think they go eight or ten or some stupid stuff like that, but it just bothers me the way that they've handled suspensions in the past compared to the the glory guys or the, the, the poster boys of the NFL that they got to hurry up and get them back on the field because they'll lose money. Picture if they really stuck to their guns on Tom Brady the year, and I think they won a the Super Bowl that year when he had to sit out. So it's like, mm-hmm. what, what what do you do? Like, where where is this line drawn? Is it fair to everybody? I, I just don't get it. So they, they pick and choose. It's almost like teacher's pet compared to the other kids that are up there learning in the classroom. So I, I really, the suspension stuff, it bothers me on how the NFL does handle it ever since seeing that. And, and not, not for nothing, I'm a big Roethlisberger fan. I'm a big Brady fan. But the way that they handle those two suspensions to how everybody else gets handled it definitely isn't fair, and, and uh, they need to have, like, some superior guidelines across the board for everybody from here on out. Like, it has to be like that. It can't be, oh, we're going to meet, talk about it, figure out it's, uh, case by case, and come up with numbers here or there. I think Kamara did the best thing by doing that because the Saints are going to be a fairly good team this year. They got opportunity to win the South. Um, I, I really don't think too many teams stand in their way in the uh, NFC South. So it's like, let me yeah. hurry up and get this done and over with. So I can hurry up and get back out here in the dome and uh, try to make this run at the postseason. That that's the only way I can look at Kamara doing this. But outside of the Kamara situation, him fighting in Vegas, so on and so forth, it, it, it's human error. And uh, the Dell and all of the staff that has to, you know, kind of cross the T's and dot the I's. Like, like, I don't even know how to address it or say it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I I totally agree with you that he had to get out in front of it and um, show show you know that he t- he's taking accountability for what he did. But yeah, the the whole idea of the the um, 
the, the length of suspensions is, is just it's, – it's absurd. You know what I mean? Like like I said, they're not created equal. Like, I think – I don't remember the name of the player. Maybe you, you or, or Mike knows the name that just got suspended, I think, for a year uh, for gambling. Um more. You can play yeah. for the Lions. Yeah, right, right, right. So he got a whole year. And, it, you know, I mean, there's guys doing, you know, some other stuff. You know, like, I, like I've said, like, you know, domestic violence or what have you or, you know, and, and getting four, four to six games. It just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, there's no, there's no playbook, like <laughs> what's a more serious offense in this league. So, you know, hopefully they figure it out. But, you know, listen, Kamara, I think, you know, we talked about his fantasy value uh, last night on the NFL front office show hosted by Sirius on Tuesdays at uh, nine o'clock Eastern standard time. Shameless plug. But I mean, you know, I think he still has fantasy value. I think you can still probably draft him with confidence and, and, and get him, even if it is for six or eight games or what have you. I think he, he has a lot of value uh, fantasy-wise. So we'll see how that works out. But like I said, man, it, you know, it just doesn't it, – it never makes any sense to me how they figure this stuff out. So, um, yeah, listen, call-in number as always. I, I feel like I've been saying it a lot, but that's how we pay bills around here, right? That's how we get people, the people, the people in the building. Uh, call-in number as always, 929-477-2759. TP Timeless, the villain, Mr. Harvey, here on the Callers Cookout talking some sports. Um, I, I was going to, I gotta, I gotta talk about it. Let's stick with the NFL. Uh, a couple, you know, injury notes that, that came across the, the desk last night. So I guess everybody, you know, got into the pads this week. Um, you know, really started, um, started hitting. I think there were some late practices because I woke up this morning. Woke up this morning, got my stuff. Nah, I'm not trying to do like Nas or whatever. That was one of my favorite songs, Got Yourself Done. But um, Cooper Cup, hamstring injury uh, for the for the uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they're saying that he might miss a couple weeks. Uh, he got an MRI, you know, after he left practice. Um, you know, they're being cautious with his injury, uh, but he, they're definitely gonna keep holding him out. Um, for the, for the probably foreseeable, for, at least for the month through through training camp until the season starts. This is him coming off of uh, missing eight. Uh, I think it was eight games of the season with a high ankle sprain. So he he's uh, behind the eight ball. Uh, Burrow obviously left practice a couple of days ago with that uh, calf injury. That you know at the time when you watched the video, you thought it was really serious. Um, it could have been anything from an Achilles to worse, and you know they're they're saying it's a calf strain or what have you, but you know he's probably going to miss some time, maybe even the start of the season. So timeless. I mean, these injuries starting to crop up. Um, you know how how would they impact these teams? Uh, Cooper Cup injury or or even Burrow, if you want to talk about that as well. Um, poor city. I'm going to do this the best that I can without trying to sound like nasty or be like the villain. I don't I don't want to be the villain, but I kind of have to, right? I don't know which injury hurts which team worse. Burrow at this time and trying to build a consistency with a team that is basically selected to be an AFC playoff picture for sure, 
right? And a threat to be an AFC championship contender because when Burrow's around, he's one of the best in the league, at least top five. To me, top five. I'm going to give him that, right? So now this is a setback because their backups, you're laugh at if you hear the backups that Cincinnati has behind them. No namers. So they're going to have to treat this with extra care. Like they're going to have to walk him around with pillows, bubble wrap, all type of stuff, get his fruit, everything. <laughs> they got to make sure that Burrow's taken care of because they need him not now, but right now. You know, the Cooper <laughs> Cup situation, I'm sorry, Sports City, I got to do it. Um, he's a great receiver, top five, top ten receiver in the league. But don't forget the quarterback that he has, right? Everybody was like, oh, when he leaves Michigan, he's going to go over here and do this, that, and the third. Damn all the picks. We got him. Like, okay, so they won a Super Bowl. Do you know there's been a decline since that Super Bowl run? What does Stafford do without Cooper Cup right now, without Odell Beckham right now? All of the pieces that have left, do the Rams suffer? They were already talking about moving past Stafford right now. So Cup's situation is a severe damaging comfort zone taken away from Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's even in column saying that he's all I'm concerned about right now. Like, I want to figure out where we got to go from here. Like, this is concerning to Stafford knowing that that's the biggest piece of that offense. Like, who in that offense in L.A. is the threat? Is it the run game? Is it Higby at the tight end position? Like, who are they going to go to? They need Cooper Cup now. So, I, I don't know which one – is the heavier loss if it's Cooper Cup to the offense of the Rams? Because already a lot of people are picking the Rams right now to be the bottom of the NFC West. That's huge if he's not there. The Rams could potentially be one of the worst teams in the league if they don't get Cooper Cup back, I want to say within reason. And it's a hamstring. His wheels are everything. And Burrow's situation, it's the same leg, I think, where he tore his, his a ligament his rookie season, and now it's a calf. So they kind of got to be ginger about this situation. And it, it's going to happen in, in uh, training camp and preseason. Like, the injuries are going to happen. You don't want them to happen. Like, people could just run and pop something or just be dehydrated, things of that nature. They're not stretching or whatever. Like, the stuff happens. But it's like, it's unfortunate that it happens to the big names. Like, hell, even in Detroit, Penny Sewell was out with a, a concussion, but they got him back uh, today. He got back to practice today. So it, that stuff does occur. As much as you don't want to see the big names get taken off the board for whatever duration of time. And also CJ, GJ, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, he had an injury that everybody thought the season was over. As soon as he went down because he was punching the grass and everybody thought that he tore something and, and come to find out there's no structural damage and he's back out there. But it just gives a lot of the teams the woes before they could even get a preseason game or things of that nature. So it's very temperamental across the board. But like I said, I don't know situation is more detrimental to which team the Bengals without the head of the snake or Cooper cup, basically the body of the snake in LA. I, I don't know, but it's a very interesting uh, subject. Yeah. I mean, I, I always err to the side of the quarterback, right? Just like UTP. It's, it's hard to replace the quarterback, you know, even though uh, Cooper cup is, is one of the best receivers in the league, I would say probably top, top five. Um, you 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 can't refer, replace Joe Burrow. Joe Joe Cool is that dude. He he. This this was a woeful Bengals team right before he got there, and now you know that's a that's a perennial Super Bowl contender just 
with him in the building. Yeah, they got the talent too, but the quarterback changes the mood of that organization, right? They were the bungles for <laughs> that. So, I mean, Mike, I mean, did you hear about the Cooper Cup injury? And, you know, what do you think the impact of that injury is on the Rams? And and also uh, the impact of uh, Joe, Joe Burrow. Uh, and, you know, he, 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 what, missed the first – he didn't miss the first part of last season, but it was a tough goal coming off the appendix, uh, the appendicitis, the appendix injury, a surgery. I mean, so you know, this is the second year now that he's coming in to the season not healthy. Yes. So, I mean, it's it's weird because it's almost like Stafford only has eyes for cups sometimes in the passing game too. Sometimes it's a detriment too. Uh, other wide open guys on that team. So, I mean, this is definitely going to hurt the Rams. And like Ty said, I mean, people are talking about them being at the bottom of that division. I think uh, not knowing what's going to happen with Arizona uh, and that having the potential of being a very bad football team is the only thing that really could save the Rams from finishing at the bottom of that division, I feel like. Uh, As far as I think, Joe Burrow's first backup again is Trevor Semi-Pro. I think he found his way to Cincinnati now. Uh, and so Trevor Simeon, listen, I saw that movie a few times. Uh, I think that depending on how long he's going to be out, this is going to hurt Jamar Chase's draft value. This may hurt T. Higgins even in the free agent market if he doesn't stay there. So, uh, I mean, I'll say by default, Cincinnati is affected more because – um, much more is expected of this franchise right now. Um, however, this both of these are big losses. Uh, I hope they can. Uh, I hope they can both get back. But realistically, only one of them really uh, has a, a really good shot of leading their team into the postseason, and that's Joe Burrow. So the interesting thing is, you know, last year like you said, had that appendectomy and all that started the season slow. And it was like a month, really, before he really looked like he was at full strength. So even now, like, I don't know, man, like, hopefully he'll continue to work, uh, you know, his upper body and the muscle groups that he can. So maybe he can try to hit the ground running when he gets back. But this is interesting. It was, And it wasn't even contact, man. It was like he was scrambling, running out to the right, and just pulled up kind of. Uh, lame, you know, something happened with his leg. So uh, he had already been nursing a sore calf, I guess they said, going into practice that day. So, I mean, this is huge for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati because they are hoping to continue to remain amongst the elite in the AFC, you know. And a lot of people would say that in that conference right now, they're one of the the three favorites uh, in, you know, to – represent uh, that conference in the Super Bowl. So uh, this is huge. And, you know, big for Cooper Cup as well. You know, record-breaking season a couple years ago. Like you said, missed a chunk of time last year. Um, And this is sort of, you know, one year after the Super Bowl, they had the most losses that any Super Bowl winner has ever had. And then now you lose Ramsey and everybody else. So now this is sort of the, the dawn after the destruction, if you will, of that Super Bowl uh, team, and it, it, you know, if you don't get Cooper cut back and figure this thing out, and Matthew Stafford can't limit his number of picks, uh, there's not going to be a brighter day ahead 
for the Rams. All right. I mean, I, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, um, like I said, you know, Burrow had the injury last year. He got off to a slow start. I think we all did. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we didn't think the Steelers were going to win that opening game, and, and they came in and beat them. And we didn't know what we were going to see. It took a couple of weeks for, for Burrow to kind of get going. And then, you know, they hit their stride and took it all the way to the championship game. Um, and, you know, if it wasn't for a play or two in that fourth quarter, uh, well, actually, namely that what that uh, that late hit on the sideline when um, Patrick Mahomes was scrambling, they would have been playing in the Super Bowl. Who knows what would have happened, right? So um, he's very critical, Joe Burrow, to, to the success of the uh, Bengals. I kind of agree with TP, though, like, as far as like Cooper Cup in that perspective, I think you know he's he's tough to replace, but you know you can make it work. Um, but that offense so reliant on Cup, he was like, I think he did didn't he win the Offensive Player of the Year two years ago? Um, if I'm not mistaken, yes, with the, the record breaking season he had, right, Mike? So yeah, he did. He Could was. Yeah, he was a triple crown. He was amazing that season, but it was Matthew Stafford four-speeding him, right? He, You know, everywhere he looked, he looked for Cooper Cup. Um, and Cooper Cup was open, man. I mean, Cooper Cup, I, I remember seeing him in preseason when he first came in the league, and I was like, wow, this guy, you know, he has something. And he's just gotten better and better, and you know, to make himself one of the better receivers in the league. So he's going to be tough to replace. they got to take it cautiously with him. I'm sure that they're going to, you know, make sure that he's all right, you know, that he's going to be ready this season. But, like, injuries happen, right, TP? You're right. Like, your guy, your your guy, Sowell, you know, he's dealing with it coming off an injury as well. Giants, they got a little injuries here and there. So it just happens. You just want to weather the storm in training camp. You want to get guys reps. You want to get them, you know, ready for the season. But you also want to guard against those injuries and you want to play it costly. So. Um, but TP, is there anything else around training camp? You know, not you don't have to name your team. Um, we talked about our teams individually yesterday, but anything else that you're watching around training camp that you're hearing, um, injuries or just news and notes? Um, well, what we got coming up this week? I'm worried about. Well, not worried, but I'm I'm focused on the Jets right now. I really want to see how this really does pan out because one. <laughs> I don't believe it, but it happened. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait <laughs> to see Rodgers. I can't wait to see Rodgers in another jersey. I've been witnessing right. this dude from 2005 till now in a Packer jersey causing mayhem. And it's like all of the stuff that he has at the doorstep of him coming to New Jersey and having to make it better there. They're in a Super Bowl, the bus run right now. And I think the team is kind of feeding into it. They got Sauce Gardner and, and Garrett Wilson going at it head-to-head, and I've been watching some of the camera. They basically saying these two are going to make each other better, which they already are great young talents at this point. So this is at the facilities of Aaron Rodgers at this point. So knowing that they got the preseason game coming up for the Hall of Fame game up against the Browns, I wonder how many guns are going to come out for the Browns. If they let Deshaun play, I doubt it because how much money's invested in him. But just to watch some football come around, uh, the Miles Garrett situation, does he want to play? Because, you know, once the, the Browns start falling apart, he starts to check out. So can they be competitive enough throughout the season to make this all worth it for him to stay there? It's a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about 
at least for these first couple of teams right now that are going to make an impact at the start of the season, um, the Kansas City situation, if these guys could really, uh, you know, run it back, which they they have the two catalysts in, in uh, Mahomes to Kelsey that, I mean, until Kelsey starts the timeout, it's going to be hard to stop that. Any receiver around them is going to get, you know, single coverage because they're trying to stop a tight end that has receiver speed and is elusive. Um, but every other camp across the board, I mean, you hear so much in uh, Carolina situation, if that was the right situation with Young, if, if he could make this thing happen right now, Houston situation with Stroud, can he get these guys out of the cellar while the AFC South is wide open at this point in time, um, especially with what we – and a lot of people are giving Trevor Lawrence and the Jags props, but the Jags just lost pieces. So it, it's right. open in the AFC South. So I'm – that's a concern for me more than just thinking, oh, well, they had a huge game up against the Chargers. Do the Chargers bounce back after one of the more catastrophic losses in postseason history? Uh, and Herbert getting this type of deal, too, how much pressure can he deal with at this point in time with the money that he just inked as well? Or is he worth every penny that he's going to get? So, I mean, just selectively trying to do this as quick as I can across the board. But, yeah, of course, I got my eye on everything that I can think of at the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, there's it's so many storylines you can go back and forth, right? The, I, I was watching about uh, Tua in Miami, how he's going to bounce back. You know, everybody was talking about how, you know, he was taking those, what, those, I think it was those jujitsu classes to learn how to fall, um, you know, the Dalvin Cook situation. I'll ask you that real quick, to TP, because Dalvin Cook visited the Jets. Um, you know, did, did, he left it and come away with the deal. I'm not sure if that's a fit for him. I think it's a good move for the Jets, but I feel like they have, they drafted a rookie that can come behind Priest Hall. I mean Bryce Bryce Hall. I think it's Priest Hall. Uh, Bryce Hall. Um, I don't so know. Brees, it's Brees Hall. It's Brees Hall. It's Brees Hall. Brees. Yeah, I know. I, I was thinking of Priest Holmes. He just stuck in my head for a minute. I remember he was a fantasy beast. I, I loved him. But um, you know Bryce Hall. He's coming off the injury, but they drafted a rookie in New York to to um to you know be the guy that can kind of share the load with them. But Dalvin Cook went to New York, visited with the team. They said he was on hard knocks, you know, when they were filming. They had a camera crew following him around, but he didn't leave with a deal. I mean, do you think Dalvin um, is kind of playing hard to get with the Jets, or is, is he looking at another team? I think it's another team involved. There's no way that he can't pull the trigger on a team that's, in Super Bowl form right now. And this is a reluctant situation. Right. He's going for Minnesota and winning so much with Minnesota and them falling apart. And I think he was the key contributing piece of them not getting there because he's always the one injured. And uh, this is a situation where it's a running back by committee and he'll end up being the biggest name in it. And it's like, why would you play around? Like, get that done so you can start learning the intricacies of that offense and fit in there. But I really think he's trying to go back home. He's a Miami kid. He may be trying to go back home. Um, I don't know what other team is, is out there for him that's playing around. I know that they intrigued the Dallas situation. I also read a column that uh, Jerry Jones is like, it's hard to go to camp and not see Zeke and Paz, and he's talking about trying to bring him back. Now I'm like, why, why are you playing games with either Dalvin or Zeke? Like, what, what name do you bring back? So I, I really feel like he's looking for the best contract because – we know the state of the running back at this point in time. The running backs aren't getting paid. So I think he's trying to keep the value as high as he can because he still is top five, top ten running back in the league. So 
he's going to have to weigh his options and not hurry up and undersell himself to the Jets just to chase the Super Bowl. And then what if Rodgers starts pulling that conversation like he did with Devontae talking about, well, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go to another team. Like, he has to secure his situation, too. So I'm juggling the situation with Dalvin. Yeah, me too. I, I, I really feel like there's another team involved. I feel like he wants to stay in Florida, and it's just a matter of time. But I think he's a he should be in Buffalo. That's that's the fit, man. Just go play in Buffalo. Mike, I mean, any storyline you're following right now uh, outside of your team, um, you know, if if it's the Dalvin Cook situation or, or any other running back that's out there that needs to get signed, um, I, think, I think we got um, – I got background noise from you, so I'm getting distracted. But uh, we, we got other running backs like Ezekiel Elliott that needs to get signed as well. But, I mean, any, any other storyline that you're following in training camp? Yeah, I mean, so many as the season starts to open up, like um, looking at outside of my team, because uh, there's a couple stories there that I'm interested in, like Mike Thomas and Kamara and then how the Lions comes together and all that. But outside of my own team, like, you know, TP hit on a lot of them, and you guys just talked about where Dalvin Cook goes. Uh, interesting thing to me is, uh, what does Buffalo do with the window kind of maybe starting to close on them a little bit? So what do they do? Uh, you know, how does Aaron Rodgers do with Villain's favorite team? I'm just kidding. Uh, and then the uh, <laughs> the evolution of the Giants in the second year, you know, act two of Daniel Jones under Brian Dable. Uh, what does that look like? What happens in Dallas if uh, Pollard gets banged up some, uh, you know, and then just looking around, can can Russell Wilson be a top 10 quarterback in the league again under Sean Payton? Can Geno repeat what he did? <clears throat> what happens with uh, – can Justin Jefferson still be extremely productive with dealing gone? And now with Dalvin Cook gone, Alexander Madison doesn't necessarily uh, strike the same kind of fear in people. And how does Brian Flores do with that defense? You know, looking at uh, the progression of Justin Fields, uh, can Jared Goff repeat what he did last year, you know, in in Detroit? There's just so many fun stories, you know, around the league. You mentioned Jacksonville. Do they take another step? Uh, And so I was just trying to hit on some stuff that – that wasn't mentioned. And, and I'm really interested to see, uh, you know, what Eric B can do uh, with this commander's offense and, and what that looks like as well. And this is kind of, you know, probably Baker Mayfield's last chance to really be a, a franchise quarterback, right. To, to like solidify himself and be in the league for a while. So sort of his, his last, uh, stand, you know, like it's midnight on the Ponderosa. Show up with your six gun and draw. Like this is his last stand, so to speak. I, I feel like, uh, you know, for for Tampa right there. So I mean, and then what does Green Bay look like without Aaron Rodgers? What can Jordan Love do? Can he lean on that running game? Can Christian Watson and Romeo Duck, Dub and some of those young receivers take another step? Uh, th- there's just so many fun stories in this in this league, and you know, I. I hate to see, and unfortunately, we're all watching injuries, right? Because the first couple of days of pads, like, injuries everywhere. You just keep seeing them, right? Like, uh, you know, a couple of them turned out to be not severe, like Garrett Wilson left of practice early, but has been able to bounce back. So, uh, listen, you just hope that the injuries are minimized 
and that these guys are able to, you know, we're able to get most people healthy, ready for the regular season so we can see everybody's best. And, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen with everybody, but uh, you hope that, you know, these teams can show up relatively healthy so we can see, you know, good on good, best on best, and see what everybody's got. But it's just – it's an exciting time of year, though, Barry, right? Like when August comes around, training camps, then we start counting down – like, even in the New Orleans papers, like, they got, you know, for LSU, they're counting down, you know, best of each number of however many days we are away from kickoff to ever wear the uniform, that kind of thing. It's just a fun time, you know, anticipatory time of year where everybody's everybody's undefeated, everybody's excited about what what's to come and, you know, waiting for two weeks for some teams to think they're completely out of it and, you know, whatever. But, you know, optimism uh, – Reign supreme uh, this time of year uh, come football time. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you, you mentioned so many. So, I mean, Baker Mayfield, is it his last chance? Is it? I feel like as long as he's the number one pick in a draft, he's going to be that guy that is always going to find a job somewhere. You know what I mean? I feel like he's always going to find a job. Like, even if it, as a backup, I, I'll never see him out of the league. But, you know, we talked about it last night, right, DB? Like, he's looked awful so far in training camp. Like Kyle Trask looks like he's going to take that job just by default. I mean, I mean, unless the XFL has a quarterback that they can use. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's, it's just so bad, but um, there's so many, there's so many storylines that's going along, along there. I mean, you know, everybody's on that hype train with Justin Fields. Like he's going to make the biggest leap um, from his, from last year to this year. I think they got some talent around him with, you know, with DJ Moore uh, and company, uh, they they started to rebuild that offensive line. I mean, Mike. I mean, Mike. What do you think about J- Justin Fields? Do you think he's going to make that leap this year? I don't know. I think he showed some progress last year. Uh, the one thing that I can say is, when you look at you know adding DJ Moore and they got Claypool later in the season last year, you got a few tight ends. I mean, they're at least doing something for him. Uh, that the Ravens uh, failed to do for Lamar uh, for a while in his career. So they're at least getting him uh, some pieces, uh, hopefully some weapons to help him a little bit uh, in the passing game. I think to me the the question is can he continue to progress and see the whole field um, and so not just be limited sort of to one side you know, can he go through his reads and all that kind of stuff? I I do think we'll see some growth. The question is how much, and and is it enough for the Bears to be convinced that he's their guy uh, moving forward at that position, right? So uh, I hope we do see some more uh, growth out of him. He's a guy that uh, is fun, and you know, you you were mentioning fantasy earlier. He's definitely a difference maker in. And fantasy football, if for nothing else, because of his ability to run to pick up yards with his legs. And we know that rushing touchdowns is six versus that four passing. So, uh, like, I, I, he he definitely has the weapons. What I want to see is if they have, you know, there, there's two things to me. Is, you know, we, we got a few more weapons in the passing game, but do we have some improvement on the offensive line? Or do we see a little bit more uh, improvement there? That line could run block last year, but wasn't very good. At pass block, right? So let's see uh, right. if we see any growth there um, to where this team can be in the way. But this is uh, 
you know, this is a team that expects to be able to take a step forward, and you should be able to if it's if it's the, the guy's third year. Uh, but this is the first time that he's really had any legitimate weapons. I don't know that DJ Moore is a number one receiver on like a championship team, but he's at least got two guys that are legit at least number two or three receivers. He's got three guys that are at least top three receivers as far as uh, on a team with uh, the two that I just mentioned, plus you add Mooney to that, and he's not expected to be your number one now uh, with a few weapons in the passing and, the you know, the tight end position. And so now maybe you got something. Now we'll see, like I said, what he can do with it. But I, I think you definitely have a little something, and he's been given at least a few more weapons to try to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's going to be the key, right? I mean, I think now that Daryl Morley doesn't have to be that number one, I think he can settle into a number two role. Um, and and then they they made the trade for with the Steelers, to, you know, to get their uh, receiver. So now that kind of you know hopefully settles things uh, a little bit. One thing I I think I want to ask you, TP, and then I you know I, I wanted to talk a little bit of the, the trade. I was going to write up, but I, I hadn't got a chance to. Um, a, a, a sleeper receiver that might be out there, Calvin Ridley, right? Um, you know, missed last year in Atlanta with the suspension for gambling, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, year suspension. But um, you know, he's he's coming back. He's going to be adding a weapon to Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville that could be a pretty key weapon. He was a really good receiver in Atlanta, and now he teams up with with Trevor Lawrence after they had an improbable comeback in that playoff game. Uh, I'll never forget watching that game with my dad. Um, <laughs> I was in the hospital but watching that game. Um, you know, they had that comeback win but came up short against the, the Chiefs. Now they had a weapon like Calvin Ridley. What do you think about Calvin Ridley in the, in coming back this year? you think he can be uh, an impactful player this year, T.P.? Uh, definitely, especially with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's the replacement of them losing Marvin Jones at this point in time, too. So we got to see if he comes into the league with that chip on his shoulder and trying to pay everybody back or if he's, you know, still trying to work out kinks to fill out that offense, which I'm, it's, it's a good situation that he's in there now, trying to get clicking with a quarterback that's mobile when he needs to and makes a lot of electric throws. So I think this is a good season for Calvin Ridley. That's a sneaky pick. Um don't underrate that because he could definitely be one of those PPR type of receivers that could cause mayhem. So I think Calvin Ridley can actually help a roster if you do pick him up and um, draw a lot of attention from like Kirk and those guys too, because Kirk is going to be another PPR guy too. So I think they're going to be more pass heavy, even though they have ATN. ATN is going to be their guy, but he's a receiving running back too. So watch a lot of what the offense can do in Jacksonville. It's still out if they could run this back. There's success that they had last year going into this year, but definitely the Calvin Ridley situation is, is a sneaky pick. Right, right. I, I mean, I really think it could be a sneaky pick for you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised if he has a really good year, especially with Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence made a lot of mistakes. He was coached poorly his first year, right? I mean, you know, the Urban Meyer effect. And then um, 
Now with Doug Peterson, he got a year under his belt. I think the first part of the season was really rocky for him, but they played some really good football down the stretch. I think they had won eight games down the stretch. They beat the Cowboys at home to get into the playoffs, and then they had that, like I said, they had that really big win against the Los Angeles Chargers. So I think there's a lot of expectations in Jacksonville that they can take, take hold of that division and play some good football throughout the season. I think the defense has improved. Um, you know, and coaching makes a difference. Like, just like with Mac Jones, right? Right, guys? Like, you know, he was poorly coached um, his second year with I, – I, I don't understand what Bill Belichick was doing, naming an OC. And then, you know, I, we could talk about it right now, TP and Mike. I mean, you know, whoever wants to take it, you know, his comments that he came out with um, saying everybody's fighting – basically everybody's fighting for a position. Like, what is Bill – Belichick thinking right now like what what is he really thinking he didn't have an OC last year now you're coming out and saying you you know you're trying to say that Matt Jones has to fight for his position it's not his fault what happened last year you failed to give him weapons you failed to surround the team around him you failed to give him an offensive coordinator to help him grow like I don't Bill needs to be held he's a great coach, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, but he's gotta be held accountable for what's been going on the last two, three years, ever since Tom Brady uh, you know, left for Tampa Bay. I mean T P or Mike, whatever whoever wants to take it first. I mean, what do you think about Bill uh Belichick right now? I think his standard is Brady. Is his standard is seeing a great quarterback get back there. And he's thinking Mac Jones is going to be that guy instantly. So that's why he's saying he's, his job isn't guaranteed to him. He's going to go out. He's going to have to go out there and prove that this is his job before Belichick ends up walking away. Because Belichick is only, you know, so many seasons or wins away from Don Shula all the time. So to put that chip on Mac Jones's shoulder to be the guy to try to help corral that big task, it, it's a lot. He's just not going to get uh, Mac Jones to crawl to that record for him and then that's that, at least make it look impressive as possible. So he's going to either make him earn it or Zappi, because Zappi came in there and had some quality starts for the Patriots. So you don't want to have this guy sitting back there looking like how Tom Brady did at the start of his career. They had Drew Bledsoe sitting there, and Bledsoe was a quarterback that everybody knew and respected, but Brady was sitting back there, and once Bledsoe got lit up in that Jets game, enters the Hall of Fame legacy. Is Zappi that? I know he's not Brady until we see otherwise, and – 20 years of, you know, uh, immaculate football. But I think Belichick's going to try to do the best that he can upon leaving because Belichick is the second oldest coach in the NFL. And I think his time is limited. I really feel like Belichick has at most two to three more seasons, at most, because uh, I think he's 71, 72 at this point. Uh, I don't think he hangs around too long. And, and Mac Jones is going to have to earn it just because you did well in Alabama and had a decent start to your your rookie season, uh, there, there's some issues that need to be fixed in him as well. Like, he has had some bad starts. It, it ain't just all about the offensive coordinator that wasn't there for the Patriots. Mac Jones has some flaws, too. Don't forget how that Raider game ended, you know. So, um, Mac has some stuff to clear up. Hopefully it gets better for him. They went with him over Cam Newton for, I guess, their selected reason. Was that the right move? I don't know now. Now I don't know. So, we, we'll see. I, I just really feel like Belichick trying to protect his reign in Massachusetts and make it look as best as he can. I, I really feel like if they can go 9-8 and eight or better, it helps them year by year. But if they suffer and go 8-9 and nine or worse, it, it kind of looks like 
this was the Brady era to help him look great. And um, Belichick's going to make that standard as high as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, what do you think about uh, Belichick? I think, uh, real quick, too, if you don't mind, I want to uh, click on something just from a second ago. I think Calvin really is going to have a good year. I, I think mm-hmm. somewhere in between his best year, uh, when he had the double-figure touchdowns and, what, 1,300 yards or whatever it was, 90-plus receptions, 100 receptions almost. Uh, now, a lot of coverage was slanted to Julio that year. Two years ago, he was definitely not very good. I think it'll be somewhere that I expect how it be pretty good this year. And he's still young enough that if him and Lawrence can establish some rapport with other pieces in that system, uh, the best could still be yet to come. Uh, from Calvin Ridley in his career, to be quite honest with you. Um, he should definitely have fresh legs this year. Uh, the, the big thing with a year off is just seeing if he can stay healthy, right, when you haven't been uh, doing that in a while. But as far as Belichick goes, um, yeah, I think he's trying to hold on to his brain. I think he's trying to clear. There's a lot of youth on this team and a lot of new pieces. I think he's just trying to clearly send a message to everybody, like, don't get complacent. Uh, sometimes Belichick, like other coaches, will use the media to sort of get messages across to the team that maybe they've already said in the locker room, but maybe they feel like for whatever reason, even though it's kind of corny that if you read it in print, that it drives the point home more. So I think he's trying to guard against any complacency uh, from that offense. I agree with you on uh, Mac Jones, but the the point is, like, regardless of what happened, there were times that Bailey Zappi outperformed him at times last season. Um, and so I can understand why he said he's got to fight for his job. But, like, at the end of the day, uh, you're right. There were a lot of reasons for it not uh, – for that made it difficult for him to succeed last year. But um, it's I don't think there's anything – going into training camp and being told, like, you need to fight to keep your position as the number one quarterback. So uh, hopefully he'll, he'll come in, he'll work with a sense of urgency and be about his business uh, at practice and everything after that and, and not be, you know, not just think you've been handed that job. I, I think going back and forth last year, benching in the middle of the game and all this, I don't know that that was the right answer. And I, I do think that Mac Jones is a guy – that needs weapons around him to really thrive. He's not a difference maker by himself, like maybe a Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or somebody like that can be. So the supporting cast is really important. And I think that's the case for whoever the quarterback ends up being in New England. But at the end of the day, like if Mac Jones shows some progression and shows up and acts like a team leader and, uh, you know, can hold his own at training camp, I think he'll take snaps for them at the beginning of the season. Uh, but New England and Belichick are just reeling. Like, they listen, they, Buffalo's won that division a few times in a row. Uh, New England's not used to that. They're used to winning that division multiple times. So Buffalo is the most legit Super Bowl contender in that division. And then you look around, you see what the Jets have done, you know, Aaron Rodgers and all those pieces. And Rodgers even took a pay cut to get all these guys in here. I mean, I don't feel bad for them. They're still making plenty of money. And then you look at all the guys that have been – then you look at all the guys that have been signed in Miami. Uh, you know, all these teams in this division are doing a lot to try to get better. And now – what Bill Belichick is figuring out is something we've said many a times. It's not as much fun when the rabbits got the gun. And so now the other three rabbits in that division have the gun, and he's trying to just uh, 
you know, he's throwing his hands up. He's trying to figure out how to get out of the line of fire. Uh, and so, therefore, like, he's probably going into practice and, and passing that sense of urgency, you know, on to that team. So, uh, you know, this is a team that kind of like what we said about the Rams earlier. This is a team that could very easily – you could see a scenario where they end up being a last-place team in this division. And right. that's happened That's happened under Belichick very rarely, if ever, right? So uh, this is a uh, – you know, it's trying times. And it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore either uh, trying to deal with this. So now you bring, out, you bring back Bill O'Brien. You got defensive people that you've always had. So we'll see, you know, what they can uh, what they can piece together. But you know, there's a he won't admit it, but there's a part of Bill Belichick that's got to be a little nervous about everything going on because once again, you're not able to stack all the cards in your favor the way you have been in years past. Yeah, I, mean, I listen. I I agree with you guys, and and you know, it's it's good to have that competition, all that good stuff. But I mean, like, come on, man. Joe Judge is your offensive coordinator. <laughs> this guy was in the Pro Bowl. I know the Pro Bowl don't mean much of anything, but this guy was in the Pro Bowl his rookie year, and then you set him up to fail by having to switch from Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator, as your offensive coordinator. Give me a break. Your offensive coordinator is the guy that TP got got hosed to see and doing a QB sneak at the goal line. That's your offensive coordinator. And you're supposed to succeed with that, right? So, I mean, you know, you drafted this guy in the first round. You didn't draft him in the first round to make him compete in his third year. You know what I mean? If you even want him to compete in his third year, then you don't think he's the guy. You know, just come out and say it. Say it with your chest. You know what I mean? So, listen, I think New England, they're they're headed at the bottom of the division, not because of anything Bill Belichick's doing or, you know, how he's drafting or, you know, signing free agents. To your guys' point, man, this is a tough division. Miami's got a loaded team. They, you know, even Jalen Ramsey, you know, got had the injury in camp. You know, they brought him in to be that guy on the defensive side. They got offensive weapons to back up to a, the Jets. Brought in Aaron Rodgers. The Bills got, you know, Josh Allen. They're, they've won the division three years in a row. They're, you know what I mean? They're looking to, to, to finally get over that hump. It's going to be a lot for the Patriots to, to leapfrog those teams and make some noise in that division, one of the better divisions of the league. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean. Karma. Karma, karma, karma. Karma. Because um, this is what Belichick gets for not paying those players. All the players yeah, that he ran yeah. away that he couldn't, he couldn't get the big contract. Now it's a bunch of, you know, misfit players that you're trying to fill in the gaps and it's not that era anymore. You don't have those specific players to come help your value out and Brady being Santa Claus. You don't have that anymore. So um this this is what hurts him. I mean, even though he had the speedster and Tyquan Thornton uh coming out of Baylor, he got hurt instantly and they they really thought that speedster was gonna change the dynamic of that offense. It didn't. Um we'll see if he can actually get craft and the guys in the uh you know, management to start spending to try to fix this and patch this as best as they can, but I doubt it. This is what this is the bet that he made. Please. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be funny. It's gonna be fun because um people are questioning Bill Belichick's place in history, which is ridiculous. Um, but listen, New England, 
you know, they're used to winning, right? And they're getting impatient. And, you know, I nothing pains me more than impatient. New England fan used to winning and make me sick, but um, <laughs> not the football team. It's the area. You want to know what I can't wait for? You want to know what I really can't wait for? Those Patriot fans, those Patriot fans, see the day Belichick does leave, because that's going to be a tremendous fall off. You think it's bad now? When William Belichick right. puts that clipboard up, it's going to get horrible in Massachusetts. Just wait. Was it Bill O'Brien? Like, you think that's going to be the guy that leads you back to the promised land? I said, buckle up. I can't wait to see I the Patriots fans that brag and go crazy start to brag about how they look without Belichick. They already lost Brady. Some of them went to Tampa Bay. Some of them quit watching football. Picture Belichick go. I could just imagine that whole aura leaving all of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. You don't know what you got until it's gone, right? You know what I mean? Like, we 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 we, we kind of, not bitched and moaned, but, you know, in New York, we kind of took it for granted that we had, you know, Tom Coughlin here, right? And we won two Super Bowls with him, and then we couldn't wait to, wait to run him out of town because we had a couple losing seasons. And, then, and, and it took us a couple years to finally, hopefully, I think we now have a coach that we can hang our hat on, but we went through three coaches that were absolute garbage. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't know how good you had it with Tom Coppola. I'm not saying Tom Coppola is the GOAT and one of the greatest, but he was a damn good coach and took us from where we were, um, you know, up and down franchise, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, and, you know, we won two Super Bowls. You know what I mean? So you're absolutely right, TP. You don't – New England fans, you, you, you're, you're asking for – I don't think everybody's asking from what I've heard talking to friends of mine. Um, I don't think everybody's asking for his head, but people are starting to say, you know, is he the go? Can he, can he do it without Brady? You know, what's he doing? You know, you know, they're, they're starting to rumble and it's like, dude, just put some respect on his name. And like, I don't absolve him for everything that's gone on. Cause it's been a disaster the last couple of years, but this guy is, is that dude, man. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time, like I said. So, um, listen, just be happy with what you got. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many fun storylines going on, um, you know, going around the league. And we talked about a couple of them yesterday. I mean, anything else, TP, that you can think of in, in the NFL that you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um. I mean, if you want to talk about your boys, you can. I've been hearing a lot about the higher kid, but other than that, I'm I'm pretty much wrapped up on the NFL. I mean, we got that that pretty much covered. I mean, if you got something else, no. I mean, listen, I talked about the Giants yesterday. You know, like I said, Hyatt, man, he's he's a speed demon. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how where he lands and 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 how he performs in his first season. But um, real quick, let's just. I mean, I know, Mike, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder. I know you're you're going to go into depth on it tomorrow on the Roundtable show, um, Thursdays, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, uh, shameless plug, talking about the MLB trade deadline that came and went. Um, you know, there was flurries down to the last minute. All I can say is, you know, <laughs> I'm trying not to curse, TP. I'm trying to be a good boy because I know my mom wants to listen to this show. She didn't get the chance to listen to it uh or two ago, but mother F, mother F the Yankees right now, mother F the Yankees, like they, 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 they didn't do it, they got a reliever, and they got another one for cash, get lost, 
get lost. But I mean, so you guys, are, um, you guys are in love with you guys are in love with Josh Donaldson, huh? You like the Vaders situation? They like all of that going on. This is beautiful. The Bronx, in the words of Frankie, baby, blue eyes start spreading the news. This is crazy because this is the I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat as Barry. The Twins didn't make no move. None. They sat there and know we need help on the bump. They know we need some um, left-hand pitching. They let Dallas Keiko get away. Like, Dallas was, Dallas was sitting in, in AAA waiting to get called up. They didn't call him up. He just opted for his free agency yesterday. So now he's no longer a twin, and we need a left-hand starter. Like, I I, I don't get it. Like, Rocco Ball, Delhi lost me. Like, like if they really mess this up, it's like gotta, you got to move on from him because he is too much – uh, caught up in the analytical part of the game, like going to a tablet and, and trying to say, you know, best case scenario. He blew he blew it today. He blew it today. The yeah. Twins lost today to the to the uh, Cards, and the Cards are a team that's suffering. And he watched Ryan give up so many different home runs that left him in there. Like it's it's like what what's going on? Like you think he's going to recover after giving up so many different runs? I, I I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on the Yankee situation with them not moving and. So many people like looking at the Cashman situation, how far this thing can go, and, and me looking at uh, Falvey in Minnesota is like, why, why do you think this is okay? You guys are leading the division and at least trying to help you get stronger. You sat and stay pat, and still got the the Guardians right there in your rear view. Like I, I don't get it. I don't think the, the Yankees are going to get out of the cellar with no movement. And you got Donaldson sitting in the sixty day. It's it's crazy right now at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that the Twins didn't make a move. I think I agree with you. I think they should have, but I think the 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 team that's right behind them sold. So it's you know the Guardians, right? So I don't I don't think they needed to do much to win this division. But I think if they wanted to contend in the playoffs, they should have made a move. I agree with you there. But the Yankees and the Red Sox didn't make a move, and it, well, they did. But I mean, the Yankees did. But I mean, really. You have the, one of the best bullpens in baseball, and you you can't hit, and your starting pitchers pitching is a joke. And what do you do? You add to the relief pitching. <laughs> Give me a break, dude. Um, I mean, I'll I'll ask, I'll I'll put it out there that Mike Mike I'll let you come in on this. I think winners and losers. Obviously, losers are the the, the Yankees. Um, the Twins are probably losers too. Because um, they didn't make any moves, but the winner to me, I thought was the the Houston, the Houston Astros. I think getting Verlander and getting the Mets to for the fit like what fifty million dollars of that contract. They're basically getting Bregman back. They're getting Altuve back. Um, the, the kid, um, I can't, I just just, Alvarez. just put my mind. Alvarez. Alvarez right just threw the no the no hitter last night. He's looking like. He's not, I'm not saying he's looking like he's getting back into form, but if he could be anywhere where he was last year, that's a big bonus. They basically got the team back. They they let Verlander go because they didn't want to pay him. They got the team back that won the chip with Verlander, and they, they still paid them the same amount of money that they wanted to pay, if not less. They just basically rebuilt the team that they had that won the World, you know, World Series. I think they won. Uh, the deadline, Mike. I mean, who do you think are winners and losers at the deadline? So I'll be honest with you, and, and TP and I have had this conversation before. I point a lot more of an accusatory finger 
at the front office of the Twins than I do at Baldelli. I understand the frustration of Baldelli because he's the field boss. Uh, but I honestly, I feel like the Twins may have been – when I look at the moves that this front office has made, uh, I feel like that they're probably better off to have not – uh, done anything other than get rid of George Jorge Lopez who they just recently. But I mean, just looking around, uh, like you know, last year they went and got Tyler Malley from the Reds, who had a bum shoulder, didn't help him at all. Going down the stretch, missed the playoffs, and in that trade, you give up this kid who is one of their top one of the Reds top pitching prospects on his way up. And then you give up Spencer Steer, who if it wasn't for Acuna, uh could very well be top three in I mean not Acuna, sorry, if it wasn't for Corbin Carroll, could very possibly be in the top three for a rookie of the year. He just hit another big home run tonight. Um and he was right there on the precipice of coming up to the major leagues and maybe even had a couple of bats in the major leagues before they dealt him. Um so you know, this team got a broken pitcher who's never going to pitch for them for guys that are contributing around the major leagues right now and will continue to for a while. So I almost think with that Twins front office, until we figure some things out, they might have been better off not making moves. Like, please just don't. Like, because I don't know how much more of our future you're going to mortgage. Um, and, and we're not even talking about prospects that are a few years out. We're talking about you traded away a guy who is absolutely raking and playing all over the field and playing adequate defense at multiple positions in Cincinnati. Um, so I look, uh, I think of the Yankees too. Like, I feel like sometimes though, some of these best deals are ones that don't get made. You just don't know what teams asking prices are. Yankees are not going to come off of Dominguez and they're not going to come off of some of their highest end prospects unless there was somebody very special to get. And I also think that the Cubs and Padres, uh, playing better ball over the last week and a half definitely took some more of the big names out of the market. With the Cubs winning eight out of ten, you weren't going to see Bellinger yep. in there, and you weren't going to see uh, Marcus Stroman. And then with the Padres now only three or four back, and the way the Diamondbacks are kind of slumping, they're not going to trade uh, Josh Hader or Blake Snell now. So I think that factors into it. But I like what you said about Houston. They wanted Berlander. They just weren't comfortable with the price. Now their Mets are paying a lot. And to be quite honest with you, they got a guy who's struggling at AAA. The, the Astros don't have – think of all the trades they made the last few years. Uh, kind of like the Braves, man. They don't have any very high-level top 100 prospects right now. So it's not like the, the Mets got the kind of haul that they – you know, they got Luis Angel Acuna, who's top 10 prospect in baseball, and now the number one ranked prospect in their system uh, in the Scherzer deal. But, you know, talking about winners – uh, Texas and Houston, and even the Angels. It may not, it may be futile, but at least they're trying to do everything they can to try to put together a roster around uh, around Shohei and Trout when he comes back. So, uh, you know, I at least applaud the effort. They didn't just bail, and they've tried to bring in some guys to maybe uh, fill in around these guys. Um, and I think that as bad and as disappointing as the Mets season had been, at least they uh, said, you know, okay, let's just flip this. Let's burn this down and see what we can get back. I thought they might have traded some more guys. I mean, at the end of the day, you really only lost, what, Canha, and then your two aces and David Robertson, right? So, what, four guys uh, traded mm-hmm. off this roster? I thought I thought a few more guys um, would be dealt, but 
those are the teams that uh, – a couple of those teams in the West – in the AL West. And I thought, uh, you know, made a couple moves to really, really help themselves out. Everybody else just kind of um, – just kind of fringe moves, right? The Dodgers got a couple, you know, made some moves to try to get better, but kind of support pieces. Um, other than really Scherzer and Verlander, I mean, those were by far the biggest impact guys. Uh, not really any huge, huge offensive difference makers. Uh, I mean, some guys that may help lineups. You know, I, I, the other thing, you know, doing the opposite of the Mets, uh, the Padres, because they've been playing a little bit better, they had a black hole at first base. So they go get they go get Garrett Cooper and they get G-Man Choi from Pittsburgh, who had been successful in Tampa before, to try to help cover that spot up and, and help them out. And then they go get a couple of other pieces, uh, you know, like Rich Hill and a couple other guys to really sort of try to fill out that team a little bit more. Scott Barlow from uh, from Kansas City has been a closer a lot of the time, so. You know, I I think that they did the best that they could under the circumstances since they decided not to sell. But, you know, I'm glad to see that they didn't just, you know, sell everything off. I'm glad that the Angels are making a run. I'm glad that the Cubs were able to play pretty good ball over the last couple of weeks to sort of keep themselves in the race. They're only four, four and a half out uh, going into today. So, uh, we'll go into this more in more detail tomorrow night, but you know now the deadline yeah. is over, so the only way to add somebody is waivers. So, you know we're locked and loaded now for the final stretch, last third of the season. Here we go, boys. Yeah, I mean I like I I'd, I'd like that the Reds didn't buy at the deadline, even though I thought they needed to be buyers. But I think just ride it out with what you got, and then next year you got such a good farm system you should be even better next year. You know what I'm saying? So I like that they didn't buy. They they kind of were struggling a little bit, but I like that they didn't sell off their pieces to try to go crazy this year. I, I, I wish the Orioles were in on Verlander or Scherzer, but I like getting Jack Flaherty from, um, from the Cardinals. Um, so that should be interesting. Mike, I hear the background. you got to turn it down. But um, I, like, I like that they got Flaherty. I, I agree with you. I think the Mets needed to sell. I think the Padres and Cubs made it hard for teams like the Yankees to buy because they started winning. Now, like the, I agree, the Yankees didn't need to sell the farm, but the Yankees needed to do something. There wasn't that big bat that was out there, but like if you're really thinking, you're, you're they were thinking of selling at the deadline rather than buying. I mean, it was like a joke. So, listen, they're not making the playoffs. Get lost with me. Yankees, man. I'm just sick of looking at them. I'm sick of their face right now. But um, you know, and I, wait, and so you don't wait. Wait, 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 wait. So you don't think they got a shot at the second wild card? For what? For what do you what? mean for what? Miss me with what? that, dude. Honestly, like, honestly, like the way they're playing right now, why would I think they can make any kind of wild card? They can't freaking hit the ball. I got a manager that's looking at them saying, we struck out 18 times, but we had good at that. Get, get. You got a starting pitcher that should have pitched. He didn't pitch, he didn't pitch the first uh, couple innings in a big game against the Rays. Finally comes in, pitches well in five innings, and then the next day he's on, he's on leave because he's an alcoholic. Like what? What are we doing here? Like what are we doing here? I mean, like, listen, I, I don't want to make fun of that situation. 
because my, my uncle, I know, you know, I know, I and I apologize because my uncle dealt with, dealt with alcoholism, and you know, I love him to death. You know, um, you met my uncle, PB. He's, he's crazy, man. Of course, <laughs> he's crazy. But like mm-hmm. seriously, you know, he dealt with this, so I don't want to make light of it. I apologize for that. I'm really sorry for saying that, but. Like, it just shows, like, what kind of clown organization we're running because her mom was ready to pitch. Why didn't he start the game? And then if he wasn't able to start the game, why don't you bring him in for five scoreless innings? And then a couple days later, he's gone. Like, what are we doing here? Like, and then you're you're, you're just banking on Judge to be your savior. Meanwhile, Rizzo, Stanton, Donaldson, LeMahieu can't hit the back. I tried, mm. I tried. I tried. I tried not to do it. Wow. You, 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 just, you bait me, man. You mm. make me do it all the time. Mm. But listen, I, mm. I wish the Orioles did a little bit more. I wish they did a little bit. But I'm listen. I think they're. I think they're here to stay. I think they got. They need that. They need that. That number one. They need that clear number one. I thought they were. They would go after Verlander or Scherzer, but um, I think they got. I think they got what they need. I think they got another arm, and they they got enough bats. Um, the Angels. Not sure what they're doing. I, not selling Otani. I hope it works out for them. I, I, I don't know if he's going to come back. They added a few pieces here and there at the deadline, but who knows? And I think, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, the Braves, they traded for um, the kid from Detroit, right? Didn't they get that picture from Detroit? No, they just got Brad Hand in the back of the, to help yeah. the, back of the bullpen with another player they got last week. And they got Mickey Lopez okay. as a middle infielder. They did not do a whole lot. I do want you to know that I heard lots of talk that the Orioles were in on Verlander. Um, he did not okay. really want to go there. He had that full no trade clause. Uh, and right, I, mean, right, I think right, that would have right. been a nice piece. But, you know, the, the cool thing about it, they get Flaherty, but they also pretty much did exactly what you said that Cincinnati uh, was able to do, and that was they didn't sell the farm. They didn't give up any of their right. highly prized prospects or guys that were right on the precipice of the major leagues in order to get Flaherty. Obviously, his value has really gone down by the fact he's been injured. This is his first year back, really, in a couple seasons. And he's a rental player, right? He's a free agent um, at the end of this year. But he is at least an experienced guy that you bring in to join that staff. And you're not blocking any of these kids. Um, you still got Jackson Holiday and Matt's kid coming up pretty soon at, the, at shortstop. And listen, uh, these kids in Baltimore are the truth. Uh, a lot of them. And yeah. Baltimore, yep. and C- Baltimore and Cincinnati are two uh, franchises in two cities that have a lot to be excited about for a long time if they can keep these guys together. That's the key. They just got to keep them. Just stay the course, man. Stay the course because. Baltimore is a darn good team right now. It, once they get these arms coming up, they're going to be really good uh, for a while. So I'm um, happy to see it for them, you know, because I know some Baltimore fans. I got family in Baltimore, so, you know, I hear about it. So it's all good. Um, timeless. Anything you want to add, then I'm, I'm ready to call it a night because I, I don't want to be that angry villain talking about the Yankees. People don't like it when I go Yankee crazy, but, you know, it is what it is, right? Oh, oh, they might not love it, but I love <laughs> it when you talk about the Yankees. I love this so much. Oh, my goodness. 
I feel like I'm looking at a box of, of turtles or something. Like, oh my goodness, I could go crazy and just eat a whole box of these turtles. <laughs> I love me some turtles. And the crazy part about it is, it's it, Sports City. Y'all got to pay attention to Barry Deville and Jordan, right? Okay, so check this out, right? He has family members that are Mets fans, so he got Mets paraphernalia. You know what I'm saying? And now he got family in Baltimore talking about, I want to see Verlander in Baltimore. I wish they could do this in Baltimore. I wish. Do you think that he might be jumping to the front of the line and be trying to front run with the Orioles? Oh, my goodness. It's getting so spicy. No, 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 This is getting so spicy. I love it. I I really love it. The dog days of the summer. August. I'm I'm telling you, when the heat come out, I mean, the freaks come out. I'm telling you, man, boy, uh, he may not like it. no, no, no. Y'all might oh, not God. like it, but I love this sensation. This is beautiful. I'm I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> That's why I gotta <laughs> shut this show down because you see how he antagonizes me, and then he wonders why I want to keep my children from him. He wonders why I want to keep my children. From him. So me right, to the baby. villain. You beat to the villain. Listen, my grandmother lived in Baltimore for years. I got cousins and, and, and aunts there, so I'm happy for them. That's I fine. can care less about the Orioles. No, 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 that's the fine. That's fine. They can live wherever they need to live. That's fine. But there's that. Yeah, I, 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 I got to go back. I got to go back. Just pay attention. He, he, he already has a lot of black and orange stuff in his house already. So you know the transition. Yeah, because the black lights. Hey, no, don't do that. I don't lie to the people. Tell them why. That was our school colors, right? That was our school colors. People, people, just stay tuned. It may potentially happen. Give him him two years. Three years, he's gonna, he gonna be like, I gotta go see my family in Baltimore. He's gonna come back with all type of black bird stuff. I can see it now. I can see it. That's what's it. Y'all pay attention. Y'all pay attention. If it gets any worse in New York, he's he gonna either be more of a Josh Donaldson supporter or he can go down there and follow Aaron Hicks and be like, yo, I was with Hicks when he was in New York with the Yankees. I can, I can see it now. Sports City, y'all may not like it, but I love this. This, this is a, this is like a, a ten of turtles, like like it's a ten of them, like you know it's like about forty of them, and I can just keep popping these things all day long. Mm, mm, Whatever, mm, I'm 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 tired. I'm tired. The villain's done. I had enough. I can't take it anymore. I can't take. It. I, I, all I can stand and I can't stand no more. What is it? <laughs> oh, you, you know what I say? Yeah. Hey, y'all separate. You know, she's like, uh, yeah, I'm messing this Um. You know, that's one of my favorite Method Man songs is Alicia Delp. So uh, I used to blast that all the time. But listen, I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. TP has just made me so angry. Um, he loves it. He loves when the villain's He's angry. Smiling. He loves when I'm upset. He loves it. He loves it when I'm upset. He's smiling. Michael, Look at him smile. He's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so as the villain taps out uh, due to timeless uh, pushing on him, and the villain taps out, I'll tell you guys, man, check us out, sportscitychefs.com. We got blogs. We got finger foods. More coming up as we uh, go along. Uh, check out our website. Check out all of our shows, man. You can find us at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. We got uh, – Front office on Tuesdays, callers cookout on Wednesdays, and then we got roundtable gumbo with me and hopefully Chandler will be back in the saddle tomorrow. Keep him in your prayers, Sports City. Uh, we don't. I'm gonna I'll see if one of these other chefs will come in, chop it up tomorrow night as we talk about a deadline, other news around the NFL, and and just anything else that we feel like uh, 
and to the pot uh, tomorrow night. And then Sunday mornings, man, 11 a.m. Eastern time, the timeless Sunday morning brunch, the head honcho himself, TP Timeless. And I have the privilege of being alongside and co-hosting with him on Sunday mornings. We had a really good show this past Thursday. You didn't, I mean, this past Sunday. Didn't get a chance to hear it. Go back. We got. Uh, we broke down the Crawford fight. We talked about Justin Gaethje and uh, and Dustin Poirier, Louisiana boy, on Saturday night. So we talked fights. We talked baseball. We talked a wide variety of stuff on Sundays. And TP and I always chop it up on Sundays. And we are just a few weeks out from uh, the season until come September. Uh, TP and myself and anybody else that comes, we will. Uh, as we'll be setting the, the table for you for Sunday, picking all the Sunday games once the NFL action kicks off. And, of course, like we always do, uh, recapping and, and giving you everything you need as far as if you missed it or uh, making sure you knew everything that happened, the significance over the weekend. So TP and I do that for you on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, 8 Pacific. So uh, breakfast with me and TP if you're on the West Coast. Uh, jump in and check us out on Sunday mornings. Also, phiapparel.co. Use promo code at chefs, chefs at checkout. Get 15% off of your purely clothing apparel. Send, uh, send Barry a Bryce Hopper uh, Phillies jersey. He'll love you forever. And wow. uh, <laughs> that's about it, man. Like, listen, until next time, uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. And once again, Barry, thanks for having me, man. Thanks to UTP. Without you, I wouldn't be here. Respect to the other chefs. And until next time, man, laissez-les-bon-temps-roulettes. Peace. Yeah, I'm waiting. You got 31 days till Florida State, LSU. Coming. You coming. Yes, sir. Go Tigers. Go go Knowles. I'm going to call you and go put money up. You know what I mean? So you get better, get ready. It's 32 but, uh, for yeah, Sunday get- night game. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, listen, uh, thanks for coming, Mike. Uh, like you said, get to the website. We we cooking, we blogging out there. So you know, I'm trying to cook something else uh, by the end of the week. So um, we got our NFL fantasy football uh, draft kit. We get the chefs are giving you all the tips and insights to get your draft ready. So you know, we had the sleepers, fades. You know. We had handcuffs. We had our strategy, insights, all that good stuff, man. We're giving it to the people, man, feeding the masses. You got to get that full belly. Um, PHI Apparel, thank you for sponsoring the show. Use that promo code CHEF. Get 15% off that order. Like you said, the roundtable is tomorrow. TP Timeless, his show is on Sunday. I'll be in church, but, you know, I'm, I'm always doing this thing. Shout out to, to Cav and, and um, my, my brother Taj. They are, are on stage at a concert this weekend, theme song, they did our theme song for us because, you know, we, we, they support us, and so we support them. So make sure you get out there um, to, on, if you're in the area in uh, New Haven. Uh, more details to come, but they have a live concert that they're doing at 1 o'clock p.m. in New Haven at a festival. So make sure you go support them. Go check them out. I'll be there. Um, TP, you know what to do. Get us out of here, bro. Sports City continue to show us love throughout the week. We putting these shows up. Check us out at sportscitychefs.com with the blogs. Everything you need to get, the fantasy pointers, finger foods, everything of that nature. Y'all know how this go down. But 
When the Yankees first stepped on the scene, people were petrified. <laughs> they were back to the lab, but they are beat just by homicide. They rocked the pro, rocked the cow, and they just stared very wrong. And all y'all Yankees in the industry, y'all season ain't going to be lasting long. That's for y'all, Sports City. <laughs> tell a friend, tell a friend, this is Jessica. And if they don't know, now they know. Yeah, boy. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom, sports city chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, 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 Chef,